Everybody in talk radio knows that theme, ladies and gentlemen. Every single broadcaster in America worth his salt or her salt knows the music and remembers the man behind it. And, of course, today is one year since we got word that Rush Limbaugh passed away. And that year has been a difficult year for many of us. Diane and me will be joining me. We both uh, worked with Rush very closely. And um, there is an article today by someone that Diana and I know extremely well that appears in Fox News, One Year Without Rush Limbaugh, Five Lessons. He left us on how to handle the left. This is James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly. Our telephone number, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you want to join the program today and you, of course, are welcome to uh, share your own remembrances of Rush Limbaugh on Twitter, on uh, Facebook, on uh, in LinkedIn, and all of the other social media sites. There are so many wonderful, wonderful things being said about Rush today. Of course, you find one or two haters in there, which I ignore. They don't matter. Um, also, I would like to thank the Washington Times, remembering Rush Limbaugh today and for our future. They ran an article that I wrote, and I am so pleased that they did. And American Wire News also published something, and I would like to read that verbatim, well, almost verbatim. I, I'm probably going to stray. And then <clears throat> we'll speak with Diana. A year ago, America lost one of the most important voices of the late 20th and early 20th centuries. Rush Hudson Limbaugh III not only transformed the talk radio format into a powerful, galvanizing force, he became the catalyst for an ongoing realignment in American media. And that is inarguable. Rush changed the entire media landscape. One man in America. It is inarguable that the way news and political discourse is delivered in this country changed after Rush successfully demonstrated there was a vast market of underserved people, tens of millions, who were seeking an alternative from the daily narrative put out by the leftist mainstream media. Not a day, not one day, goes by when someone asks via social media what Rush would think about a particular event or story. That's impossible to say. He was a unique thinker who always delighted us with his unconventional thoughts and perspectives and, you know, and his humor and his wit, and his satire. I'm often sent messages from people who want to share their own stories about the impact Rush had on their lives, and some of those stories are truly profound. And reminders of what an incredible agent for change Rush was. A year later, 
the grief over his passing is still very present and painful. Yet, at the same time, I have a growing sense of optimism that his legacy will continue to inspire people and that some, some historians will recognize what a true giant he was, not only professionally, but in totality. I miss Rush every single day. I know you do too. And I thank you for allowing me to share uh, these few thoughts with you, and I thank AmericanWireNews.com for printing that this morning. And Diana Mee, our Princess of Policy, is here. Diana also worked closely with us and with Rush. And Diana, welcome. Well, thank you. It's a somber way to remember a year, but it needs to be done. And you and I have an agreement that we will do everything we can for the rest of our lives to honor the legacy of this great man that we knew so well and loved so much. It is, um, you know, it's stunning that every day, and I'm not kidding, every day, Diana, people are asking, what would Rush think about this? What would Rush think about that? And I think you have the same conclusion that I do. (laughs) We'd like to take a stab at it, but we don't know. True. You and I used to try and predict, as you know, over the years, okay, this big thing happened. What is Rush going to say tomorrow? And you would come pretty damn close very often. But in general, he had such a creative mind that he would bring things together from all kinds of different areas and angles and put them together in such a unique way and so witty and so brevity and so so impressive in his um, you would remember what he said about everything that it just was not possible for us ordinary mortals to predict <laughs> this. He was a genius. He absolutely was a genius. And we aren't and so it we couldn't think at that plane yeah and you know what let's talk about something that you and i used to talk about the sponge rush rush could absorb enormous amounts of information now look you are without question one of the people that i admire the most for your ability to absorb a tremendous amount of detail and i know you spend hours and hours studying researching before you arrive at your conclusions. But there was nobody on this planet. And that's the part that was hidden from the public. Yeah. I heard I heard Mayor Rudy Giuliani and Mayor Mr. Mayor, that was just such a wonderful tribute that you gave. Thank you so very much, Mr. Mayor. And 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 Rush considered Mayor Giuliani, of course, one of his close friends. And so thank you for that, Mr. Mayor. It I heard Mayor Giuliani refer to how much Rush worked. I don't think people understand that Rush was a true homebody. He right. Once he left the show, it was okay. He'd take his vacations. He'd go golfing. He'd do that. But for the most part, after the show, Rush went home, and he said that he'd probably take an hour off, and then it was right back in to show prep, preparing for the next day. And he had the ability to absorb so much information. I've never seen anything like it. Have you? No, and the way he could do this also live, 
spontaneously on the fly where news would be breaking or some event would happen. And he would just come out with this, you know, almost cosmic ability to put things together and to then have a reaction that was unique and brilliant and dead on and that held up over time, over years. So that ability, that genius ability came from a lot of study and thought and it, he enjoyed that as if you remember he relished just thinking and he he would say when someone would interrupt him a caller would interrupt him he would remind them i love what i say and i love hearing myself and, and i love it. hearing myself say it yes <laughs> <laughs> he did and that he used to say that uh, passion was infectious but with him it was something more than just passion because there are a lot of people who who have passion about their ideas there was just this pure enjoyment of what was coming out of his mouth of what he thought and how he he was as much an enjoyer of his wit and wisdom as the rest of us were and i i want to say there was a similar quote i found when a caller interrupted him and he said i'm saying exactly what i mean to say i loved hearing myself say it because i'm right i love being right you would too if you knew what it was like That is so classic, Rush. Yes, it really is. And those were the lines he would just spontaneously. He was just, as he said, a naturally funny guy. But far more than that. I mean, he had the wisdom and love of country that the rest of us, you know, also felt. But to have someone express it so well and so competently over the years, his inspirational quality is the thing that I think all of us felt, you know, shored up and encouraged and, you know, daily for for things that were going wrong in the country, he was just an inveterate, inveterate encourager. And you couldn't help but be encouraged and be happy and say, hey, we've got this after listening to him. Now, Diana, we have to stop for a break. And then I want to talk about the article that's in Fox News today. Okay. Um, but I also just want to give you a memory that I have. I remember walking in his studio one day. The news story had something to do with uh, the skepticism that many Americans had toward believing that mankind, that man, that them driving around in their automobiles were responsible for the global warming calamities that the left was preaching to us were going to end the earth by now. Okay? And so people, and so I walked in and I said, Rush, this is all due to you because you're the only national figure that has actually stood up to this pseudoscience that has explained it in detail to the American people and that have been critical of it and is because of you that, and you can see this division among party lines. And he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he didn't take stock often as to his impact. In fact, that was a question interviewers were typically asked. And he was so focused on what he was going to talk about tomorrow or in the next few minutes, he was not thinking that way of what is my legacy. I mean, he thought that was sort of a waste of time. He just was going to, to do what he needed to do rather than to examine his impact. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley. Make sure you keep it here. Catch it night is next. We're going to return with Diana Mee who also worked very closely with Rush Limbaugh, as I did. And we're going to talk about an article that was in Fox Today, One Year Without Rush Limbaugh, Five Lessons 
He left us on how to handle the left. It couldn't be more timely. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And, of course, we're going to talk about the news of the day because there's plenty of news, and your phone calls will be a part of that, too. Don't go away. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, the fastest one hour in radio. Right back. WABC Talk Radio 77 New York. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley with you. Night Train. The Commodores. Bring us back. I know singing loud, singing proud on the night train. Yeah. Let us get back to our discussion with Diana Mee, who also worked, as I did, closely with Rush Limbaugh. Five lessons he left us on how to handle the left. This is a Fox News article. Diana, can you run through briefly what those five lessons are? Yes, it's a little awkward since I am AKA Diana Alaco, the author of this piece. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have basically taken Out of you. Off. <laughs> I doxed right. you. <laughs> yes. You doxed me, absolutely. <laughs> okay. So I, I am the uh, former editrix of the Limbaugh Letter, as I uh, wear many hats now, but that was my, you know, major enjoyment was working closely with Rush. And I wrote this piece because I reacted to this Biden memo that he put out, his regime put out, uh, called the National Terrorism Advisory System Bulletin, which is calling basically any political opposition terrorists. And they warned of the horrors of misleading narratives and myth, dis, and malinformation. And they labeled that MDM, misinformation, disinformation, malinformation. And it reminded me, man, the left has been doing this same thing for for decades. This is exactly what they did when Clinton was president. Uh, if you remember that a KMOX uh, Air Force run one phone interview where Bill Clinton whined to the radio station, after I get off the radio with you, Rush Limbaugh will have three hours to say whatever he wants, and I won't have the opportunity to respond, and there's no truth detector. You won't get on afterwards and say what was true and what wasn't. And so it reminded me that Rush fought the same battles that we are fighting today, the weaponized attacks from the left, they are the same people using the same tactics, and he showed us how to win. And I never want to forget that. There was no sense of defeatism with him for a single day ever. And so I think that is a genuine temptation on our side to look around us and see all the forces arrayed against us and to think, oh, man, this is worse than it's ever been. There's no hope. He wouldn't put up with that for one minute. And so I just recounted five kind of ideas that I know he consistently would tell us. The first one is to know your enemy. He was very focused on making sure people understood the ideological component of of our uh, political opponents, which is the liberalism. What if you have a broad view and understanding of what leftism is, they never change. They are always the same. They always want to silence dissent. You see that with big tech now. And so 
for Russia's mission, as I say, he, he was attracting in the greatest audience so he could charge confiscatory advertising rates. That was and he his, said, his business mission. Right. And one of the quotes that I love best that for quote one, know your enemy, is this. Russ used to say all the time, I know liberals like I know the Nick, my own, Nick, every square inch of my glorious naked body. And that's what he would say. And he was right, because he did understand them, which made it very easy for him to predict what they would say and do. And so he could then make fun of them immediately, because they didn't do anything that surprised him, ever. Now, reject the premise. first thing. Reject the premise is the second one. I want to I want to move along through this because our time is running out. But we we reject the premise. What is that, Diana? He always would say that never accept the premise. Whatever the liberals are accusing you of, there is an unstated premise in there. That's what you just reject. You don't accept it and then start arguing with what they're saying as if that puts you on defense. And he never ever accepted the present the premise. The most important thing that I said. In this piece, use your power. This is, I'm going to read it. The left may appear invincible, but it exerts control based on deception, manipulation, and corruption. The power we have is built on invisible things. Truth, joy, common sense, humor, love, gratitude, and faith. These qualities answer to a higher authority, and the left has no counter to them. That, to me, is so important for us to realize, you know, we may not have the levers of power right now, but the left has no counter to what we do have, and I listed them, and I think those are things to hold on to and remember and to fight with those weapons. Have no fear, number four. Right. Because leftists are bullies, and they're terrified of fearless, cheerful people, which Rush was one of, and especially when they know they're right. And so that's why he was so gleeful, and that's why I said, don't buy into the temptation to despair. Optimism is an intellectual choice, and happy warriors never surrender, and he never did. And the fifth one is stay on offense. He was so frustrated when Republicans would be put on defense because then you've already lost the rhetorical battle. He always stayed on offense. He didn't answer their premises. He said, be relentless. And I say, because the left has no moral foundation, its power is ephemeral. When you fight it, it will deflate like a souffle, as we saw with the Berlin Wall. And that is Russia's model. He laughed at them every day. He took them apart, and he was fearless and bold. And we have the ability to do that. There's no excuse. Rush created us into a community. That's a leftist word. But we are many. He would say that. We are the majority. And he forged those bonds with each other, and we can never forget that. Diana, thank you so much for being with us as uh, we open the program today, remembering Rush Limbaugh. I want to leave you and see whether you have this shared memory. You you and I were there. We were much younger than we are now <laughs> at Dan's Bake Sale. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what were particular do you remember? I remember the fact that this was the largest gathering of conservatives ever in America, that the helicopter showed it was just an incredible uh, incredible amount of people poured in, and not just from America, from all over the world, to yeah. take part in this event. 
that that happened spontaneously on the Rush Limbaugh show because of the Limbaugh yeah. letter, which you were were the editrix of, and 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 here's what it was held in Fort Collins, Colorado. No one could believe afterwards that the place was left completely spotless because all these people yeah. picked up after themselves. They're responsible. They cleaned up themselves rather than rely on the government to do it. It was amazing and underreported. And I remember something else, and I wonder whether you remember this too. Before Rush was uh, slated to speak, there was there were clouds and and a little bit yeah. of drizzle had started, and there were rains. Rush flew into that to the speaking podium the visa v helicopter. Yes. And when the helicopter approached, the sun came out. Yes. That is something that no one would believe, but I was there. I was in the front row. The clouds actually parted. It had been raining all day, and a beam of light came on him as he stepped onto the the podium. It was an amazing moment, and he was able to greet the crowd. He for, that is who we are. He forged that community of tens of thousands and millions more across this country. We are the people who make America work that he always celebrated. And interestingly enough, we ran in retrospective on the Limbaugh, the anniversary of it, and they have scrubbed every record of that off the Internet. UNAC cannot find it. It was run by all the major news at the time, CBS, NBC. They ran major stories on it. You cannot find anything. So, that to me is how they know we are dangerous is because they're trying to silence us, but they won't succeed. Diana, we'll leave with this. The last time Rush took a call and it was from someone that asked Rush, Rush, should we panic? Is it time to panic yet? Rush's answer was simple. He said, it will never be time to panic. America is always worth fighting for. Diana, thank you for joining us today. Amen. Thank you, James. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, here with you. Your call's coming up. We're going to touch on a few of the news stories. 800-848-WABC. Rush Limbaugh will live on forever. Right back. Bo knows politics and so much more. A true connection to real New York on 77 WABC. Stable Sisters. Or the Staples, because there was Pops. I'll take you there. At WABC Talk Radio 77 in New York. We are the crown jewel of American radio. We thank you for being with us each and every day. Remember, John Katz comes up next. Katz at night. And keep it right here. Okay, a few political items in your calls. We have a lot of people that want to comment on Rush. And their remembrances of Rush. We'll take those calls very shortly. If you'd like to join that, 800-848-WABC is our number, 800-848-9222. Now, Virginia, thank you, Governor Yunkin. And thank you, Republicans. And thank you, a few crossover Democrats who joined with Republicans to back the newly elected governor down there who signed a law yesterday that ends liberal, well, they're still going to be opposed to it, but they were fighting him in court because he had the audacity to say, hey, mask wearing is optional. He's not going to go for making your kids wear masks in school. And, of course, the liberals had a hissy fit. 
liberals in Loudoun County, in Fairfax County, all down there, the liberal corridors, oh, they just, they, they had their undies in a wad. But guess what? It is now law. And so this is no longer a debatable issue. And Loudoun immediately in Loudoun County said, oh, okay, the mask mandate is over. It's now optional. Some of the others, like in Fairfax, the hardcore liberals grumbled, we're going to study this law. We're going to study this law. And one of the um, heads of the uh, Republican, uh, no, Democrats down there is complaining, complaining that now Virginia is turning like Florida. Imagine that. Okay. Now, remember the Sarah Palin case? It may not be over yet. The judge dismissed the case while the jury, as you know, was still deliberating. That was so odd and so bizarre. And he said when he was asked about it, well, no, the jury's not going to hear about this. They won't know. They did know. They were getting alerts on their phones. This could be grounds for appeal. Let's talk about Blim. Blim. Let's talk about Blim for a minute. Blim has money issues. People are wondering where the $60 million that all these woke companies put into Black Lives Matter went. And they wanted, and by the way, the IRS is looking like, hey, you know, what's up with this money over here? What's up doing with the money? Right? And so BLM has got some new finance guys. Guess where they came from? They came from Hillary Clinton's camp. This is the Democrat takeover. Well, it was always liberal, but the Democrats now, Hillary Clinton's, Former general counsel, the guy that was involved in in making sure the the phony steel dossier that was used against Trump, that was used for this Russian collusion hoax, he is known for funding it. His name is Mark Elias. According to recent filings, he is representing BLM's Global Network Foundation through his law firm. Additionally, another Clinton ally, Mignon Moore is over there. She's now on uh, BLM's board of directors. And this story comes from the Federalists, and they say, in other words, the corrupt Democrat establishment has effectively taken over a major left-wing organization committed to radical left-wing policies and race hustling. Absolutely. Now, there's other news about Blim. Do you remember, just earlier this week, old Quintez Brown? Well, Quintez Brown is this young man who tried to assassinate a mayoral candidate. The candidate's name, Craig Greenberg. Louisville, Kentucky. Thanks to Blim, Black Lives Matter, Blim posted $100,000 bail, and Quintez Brown is now back on the streets accused of an assassination attempt. Mitch McConnell was so ticked off by it, he actually, I mean, when's the last time you heard Mitch talk about anything other than the Senate, we got to the Senate. Mitch is actually coming out. This far-left Black Lives Matter activist and defund the police cheerleader walked into a Jewish Democrats campaign headquarters and opened fire, he said. And he's ticked. That Blim paid the... And by the way, this is the the effort that Kamala Harris and these other Democrats have been in, these prosecutors. There's a New York prosecutor, I mean a New York judge, 
who finally had enough with this, these prosecutors who want to let these criminals roam the streets. And hats off to this judge. Hats off. A New York City judge has berated prosecutors for refusing to ask that their teenage client be held on monetary bail after he was indicted for his participation in a violent robbery. Hunter Robinson, four other teenagers, allegedly pistol-whipped a 15-year-old boy after they stole his wallet, his phone, his sweatshirt, his coat, and his shoes. And guess what the date was? January 6th. The prosecutors didn't want to get bail for this kid. The judge, judge, Stephen Antigenani, acting Supreme Court justice, presided over the case, dismissed the prosecutors before reminding them that he's in charge here, not them. He says, I'm not changing the bail conditions today. First of all, this is my courtroom. I make the determination, not you, not the DA's office. I do. And then he says, I can't understand. I can't understand why you're not asking for some form of monetary bail in a case as serious as this. That's what? No, no, no. Uh, Judge Melissa Jackson denied it. That's the judge. Melissa Jackson. Standing ovation for you, Judge Melissa Jackson. The judges apparently have had enough with this D.A. Braggs and this approach of let the criminal miscreant vermin out on the streets so that they continue to prey upon New Yorkers and other good people in our in our cities. Enough is enough. Let us start on the phone. Shani, George Washington Bridge. Welcome, WABC Talk Radio 77. Hi, Bo. What an honor. What a privilege to speak with you. You have no idea how much I admire you. And I called originally to say that Rush was so lucky to call you friend because obviously the love between you was very strong and will survive death and carry on. And I would like to be part of Bo's brigade and have a party where we can all meet you in person. I would love that. Bo's brigade, huh, and we do an in-person event. I would love that. I would love that. And I'll tell you what else. Mark Stein and I are planning something too early to reveal. But Mark Stein and I are planning something which will also be a, an event, and we hope uh, to bring that to you, well, as soon as we can. Thank you for the call, Shani. I really appreciate that. Karen, Rockland County, how are you? Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. Uh, I just want to say that uh, Frank Morano last night gave a terrific tribute to a rush. Uh, he played a lot of things that I didn't know about Rush, uh, that uh, Rush was a DJ back in the 80s or 90s, a uh, music program. Yep, Jeff and, Christie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he was, uh, oh, he had a, a, an interview with uh, the guy that played Captain Kirk in Star Trek. Yeah. That was a very interesting interview between Rush William and William Shatner. And Rush William talked about that interview on his show, too, yes. That was a wonderful segment, and you should mention that uh, you know Rush was honored. You know that they named some radio room after him. That is the Heritage Foundation. They have built a studio 
and the Heritage Foundation. And by the way, Rush spoke about that. And that was one of the things that happened during the year while he was fighting that battle with cancer. The Heritage Foundation named their newly built broadcast center after Rush Limbaugh, and he was deeply honored by that. I know you could see the genuineness in his face when he got that award. I mean, when it was named after him. Yeah, he was... Uh, well, we want to thank you, Karen, for bringing it up, and also thank Frank for such a wonderful tribute of Rush. Lisa, Highland Beach, Florida. Well, that's down in the sixth borough of Palm Beach County, uh, Florida, if, if I'm right. Lisa, welcome you, WABC. Thank you, James. Thanks for taking my call. And, of course, we are grateful to Rush for so many things, and here we are. So I know I speak for your audience, feeling very blessed because of having Princess Di and you on WABC. And because of you, we fight on. We need you. We love you. And I second Bo's Brigade. Well, thank you, Lisa. Appreciate the call. WABC Talk Radio 77. We have time for a few more calls. 800-848-WABC. If you'd like to be part of today's program or if you'd like to call Cats. Remember, Cats at Night comes up next. We're going to take a brief break. We'll be back right after this. More news, more calls. Don't go away. WABC Talk Radio 77. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurley, with you here on this day where we remember Rush Limbaugh. We remember Rush every day. Okay, what, Kevin, which version is this? Ray Charles, that's what I thought, and I'm like, that sounds like Ray Charles, but now I would have, yeah, Ray Charles, of course. And, of course, Donny Hathaway's version is just, what, incredible. Okay, here's a headline. Try this on for size, ladies and gentlemen. It's not just New York. Chicago teen, teenager, 15 years old, shot 24 times. While buying snacks, family says. Went to buy some snacks at a Chicago gas station. Police don't have any suspects yet. The boy's family are begging witnesses to come forward. His aunt and legal guardian, Brandy Martin, says, I've got to stand here and scream from inside out and make sure I get the word out so he won't be another name, another number, another tag, meaning another body tag. I'm sorry, Auntie, that's what he is to Democrats. Just another one. And they are letting predators out of jail and on the streets to do this with impunity. You know, Eric Adams has released his budget. The budget for police stays flat. Now, before we jump to conclusions on that, the mayor has an explanation for the reason he left the budget flat. He's cutting the budget in many other areas. He says that we're going to redeploy police manpower. We're going to make sure everyone who's supposed to be on the streets doing their jobs is doing their job. And then we'll make an analysis if we have to put more money into it. Hmm. I don't know what to think about that. I would be interested to hear what some of New York's finest say about that. The chairman of the Democrat committee, the the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee, guy from New York, Sean Maloney. He was on Morning Joe. What a joke that show has become. Uh, He was on Morning Joe, and he's giving Democrats advice. 
he said that Democrats, Democrats shouldn't be falling in love with mask mandates. Hey, uh, Sean, that train left the station a long time ago. You are the party of masking up children. You are the party of masking up everyone and complaining about governors in free states like Florida that, and now Virginia that refuse to go along with these insane mask mandates for children, especially. Our last call was from the sixth borough of New York, Palm Beach County, Florida. We have another call from the sixth borough. Valeria, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77 with James Golden. Hi, James Bow. It's a pleasure and honor to talk to you. Thank I you. have an adorable I have an adorable picture of you and I at Club Forty Five back in two thousand nineteen when I was um pinning an official Club Forty Five pin to your lapel. You came and spoke to us when we had uh created a big gigantic get well card to rush. I remember the night well. We'll never forget that night. The place was overflowing, and the reception was just uh, amazing. And I remember you. And thank you for giving us a call. Thank you for listening all the way down from Florida, our sixth borough. Valeria, thank you so much. Don and Nanuet, welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snerdly. Hello, James. I just wanted to uh, salute you for your friendship with Rush. But I and, and I just finished your book about two weeks ago. It was a uh, tremendous read. It was very powerful and emotional for, well, I can imagine, only imagine what it was for you. But myself reading it, 27-year uh, listener to Rush, and uh, I know it was in the book and a lot of people say it, but uh, to me, Rush was the best friend that I never met. That is a phrase that we hear often. Rush was America's best friend. And he loved this country and he loved its people so dearly. And Don, thank you for sharing that. The name of the book, for those of you that don't know, is Rush on the Radio. Rush on the Radio. And you can get it wherever foreign books and literature are sold. Let us go to Brooklyn, New York, and say hello to Tommy. Welcome, Tommy. How are you? Uh, good afternoon, Mr. Bolden. Always a pleasure and always informed. I'd like to say two things. First thing is Rush. Um, Rush was a teacher of life. Uh, Rush gave me confidence in my thoughts and my ideas. And he was always concerned about the direction of America. I like that you said that. And uh, he would always complain about the media uh, and how left it was going. He realized and spoke how the media was corrupt and how it would um, spin the news to the left. Now, Rush would read out the propaganda and gave, that, and gave us you know, the facts. I had to write that down because, you know, I've been listening to so many things uh, that you've been saying throughout this show. It, it's been a wonderful show. And I got to say, Mr. Sternley, uh, Mr. Bolden, Bo, James, whatever you'd like to be called, thank you for all, all you do as well. God bless you. Oh, thank you so much, Tommy. Yeah, this is uh, it's quite a day. Uh, Harry, Bronx, New York, welcome. Hey, What's on your mind, you? Harry? Hey, how are you, sir? Good. Uh, well, Rush was a soldier that we had when we definitely needed. Um, Rush and I both share the same birthday, January 12th. And I just had uh, 
some opinions on what he might have, advice that he might give us today, and the TV show that he might suggest we have watched or should watch. Which is what? Um, I would think that Rush would remind us that Hillary Clinton used to be an intern for the White House, and that was during White uh, during Watergate. And she was the only intern that was never given a referral because of her bad advice during Watergate. Well, okay. First of all, it wasn't the White House. Hillary Clinton was a, and, and I forget whether what the position was, whether it is intern, you may be right about that, but she worked for the House of Representatives, if I'm not mistaken, or, or the Senate, either or. I'll have to go back and fresh up my memory on it. But she worked for the impeachment committee. That's who she worked for. And she did not leave the place with rave reviews. Not at all. And you're absolutely right about that. Thank you so much for the call. Peter, New Jersey. How are you, Peter? Welcome. WABC Talk Radio 77, James Golden. Hey, James. What can I say about Russia? It hasn't been said only that um, I hope that uh, God shines his face upon him and he rested peace in his house. Amen. Peter, thank you for that. I appreciate it so much. You know, let's go to, let's at least take one more. Bobby, Brooklyn, New York. Bobby, what's on your mind this afternoon? Yeah, everybody's missing the hidden message in Adam's uh, speech yesterday, or the rant, I should say. Uh, he had a message in there, the same message as Gavin Newsom there out in California. Not enough white people on the boards. They're just pushing all each other's messages. That's all one people. They're all the same. They're not different. He's no different than them. He's Bill de Blasio. What is what is the message that Adams is pushing? I want you to be clear about that. All the boards, all the big companies, the boards are all white. They need more black people, more diversity, Chinese, Indian. That's whatever. what he's Everybody. saying? That's what you get from his speech? Here's what I get from, from, from Mayor Adams already. Mayor Adams is the best-dressed mayor New York City has ever had in its history. I mean, and that's saying something, because back in Tammany Hall... The Democrat gangsters that ran New York were exceptionally fine dressers. I saw pictures of uh, this guy looks like he wants to be a movie star. Every time he steps out the house, this guy is just impeccable. Now, it's too bad that the suit is looking like it's becoming empty. Because he has some incredibly beautiful suits. And sports jackets. But they all seem to be empty. New York City, like many other cities run by Democrats, regardless of their skin color, regardless of their gender, have the same ideology. They talk a good game, but you have to look at their actions. And the actions that we're getting from this mayor are not consistent with what he promised New Yorkers. American New Yorkers are terrified to ride New York subways. Americans, New Yorkers, are terrified walking home that someone might be following them, like the case of that poor woman, that poor Asian woman who was beaten unmercifully to death. Americans are terrified that these hoodlums, these criminal vermin that prey on 
innocent men, women, and children and prey on the elderly and prey on the young are caught, locked up, and then, thanks to lenient district attorneys, are freed. This is looking like what Democrats do with illegal immigrants. They invite them by the tens and tens of thousands into the country. They say, oh, we need you to show up at a hearing. Here's the date. Okay, bye-bye now. Take care. Oh, by the way, you need some cash? Oh, no, you need a plane? Oh, you need you need tickets? Oh, here you go. Here's the plane ticket. Oh, you don't have ID? Oh, that's all right. Use one of your arrest warrants. Use one of your immigration warrants to get on the plane. Oh, oh don't worry about the TSA. We got that covered. And then the immigrants go off, they disappear, they're here illegally, never to be seen from again. Until a fraction of them end up murdering somebody or killing somebody or robbing or raping. And I said a fraction of them. Most illegal immigrants do not do that, I know. But just like the vermin criminal who are American that these district attorneys let out and let prey on America, this same philosophy... From top to bottom, the lawlessness. Look at the lawlessness that Hillary Clinton's campaign is alleged to have in trumping up these charges of Russian collusion against former President Trump and now of spying on him while he was in the White House and also on the campaign trail. Look at the lawlessness that ran through the FBI during that process. Look at the lawlessness that runs through the DOJ. The Democrat Party is the party of lawlessness. They promote a culture of death. That starts with their genocide in the womb program, which any Planned Parenthoods in as many minority neighborhoods to wipe out the descendants of these people before they even have a chance to be born. The Democrat Party is a party of death. They are a party of lawlessness. They are a party of Absolute tyrannical control, tyrannical control over people. Look at the way that they shut down American businesses and shut down the economy of hardworking Americans, and they don't care. And they flout their own rules every chance they get and stick their middle finger in your face and say, vote for me one more time because y'all must have liked it. Oh, goodness. All right, final thought. One year since Rush left us. My life will never be the same. Aside from everything else that Rush Limbaugh was in terms of a broadcast icon, he was a great human being. He was generous. He called himself a lovable little fuzzball. He was so lovable and is. We are in New York City, my friends. We are the greatest city that we face in the world, in the greatest nation that humanity has ever witnessed. Thank you, God, for it. May God protect, bless each and every one of you. James Golden here, and I will be back tomorrow. Catch us up next. Keep it here. See you tomorrow. Bye. At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. 
But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time.